welcome to the Daily Dietitian Podcast. I am your host, Stacey Mitchell, registered dietitian and personal trainer. I am so happy to have you here. My goal for this podcast is to break down the latest health topics and help clear the clutter in the messy world of nutrition and fitness. We hope to inspire, educate, and entertain all things wellness. We cut the baloney of the food shaming and focus on making healthy habits that work for you. Join us as we talk with experts in their fields on how to feel our best in our own body and mind. Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining us for part two of the best diet advice from registered dietitian nutritionists. In this episode, we hear from the rest of the dietitians from the year. We talk about pre-diabetes, balancing blood sugars, easy meal planning tips, dairy in your diet, refueling foods, and taking picky eaters to intuitive eaters. If you have not heard last week's episode, go back and hear part one as we talk about weight loss, metabolism, shopping myths, sustainable, healthy habits, kid nutrition, education, gut health, and more. And remember that I have highlighted more dietitians on the podcast in episode 59 titled The Best Intuitive Eating Tips from Registered Dietitians. So good. Our first guest is Dion Maluskas in episode 34. Are you at risk for prediabetes? Navigating the diet to balance your blood sugar. Dion talks about diet myths about prediabetes and how fad diets are the wrong way to help someone balancing blood sugars. The biggest one I repeat is you can lower your A1C and fasting blood sugar without going low carb and without focusing on weight loss. Um, I really encourage people to focus on the behaviors and not the outcome, right? So focus on how can I fit a 10 minute walk into my day? How can I add more fiber to my lunch versus how do I lose weight? Because typically to, to achieve the weight loss, Again, they're going to Google, they're going to a free Facebook group or something, and it's leading to some pretty extreme dietary changes, and they get really caught up in that. Um, and, and really, weight loss, that's the traditional approach to prediabetes, right? And so um, it doesn't guarantee that you'll even reduce your numbers. I work with people all the time that lose weight, and their A1C doesn't budge. Um and I keep talking about A1C, so I just want to mention, what is A1C? <laughs> A1C is your average blood sugars from about the past three months. A1C is a nice measure for uh, blood sugar metabolism because it doesn't just tell you what's my blood sugar right here, right now, which is impacted by so many things. Yes, what we ate, but also how well did I sleep last night? Um, how stressed out am I? Things like that. A1C is just your 24-7 average. So it kind of weeds out, you know, the temporary factors and just looks at where you're sitting on a day-to-day basis. So we like A1C whenever it comes to prediabetes. I noticed one of your reels, but you talked about some effects with these fad diets that kind of creep up for people. Yeah, like whenever they try keto or intermittent fasting and yes. it doesn't work. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's frustrating because then they lose steam. They feel like a failure. They start to wonder, what's wrong with me? Why does it work for everyone else? Is it just because I don't have enough willpower? Why do I feel addicted to carbs? 
Um, so I like to talk about that a lot on my page and show them it's not just you. You're not doing anything wrong. These diets are really hard to stick to. Um, it doesn't have anything to do with willpower. It has to do with our, our primary way that our body operates. We like carbs. Our brain likes carbs. The keto diet was developed for people with epilepsy, right? It was never meant to be followed by a person who doesn't have epilepsy for two years to control their blood sugars. You know, it's actually quite dangerous if someone stays in ketosis all the time for for a long period of time. Um, so I try to talk about that a lot and show people that the alternative is a flexible way of eating. It sounds too good to be true, but and it can be scary because people like rules to follow. Um, but I try to teach them about pairing carbs with protein, fiber, and fat to balance blood sugar versus just cutting out carbs. Our next guest is Erin Hosington in episode 43, Dairy. Is it good for you and the planet? Erin talks about the essential nutrients found in dairy as well as explaining sustainable farming practices. Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, uh, a glass of milk has 13 essential nutrients. There are three nutrients that are part of the four nutrients of concern as listed by the Dietary Guidelines for Americans. Again, kind of nutrition nerd speak there. But the nutrients of concern are nutrients that the Dietary Guidelines for Americans have recognized that most Americans are not getting sufficient amounts of and could potentially then lead to um, some health issues. So that's why they're nutrients I'm concerned. If we're not getting enough, it could be affecting our overall health as a population. Um, and like I said, dairy provides three of those four. So those are, with the calcium, potassium, and vitamin D are all found in dairy foods. And so, again, it's just really this powerhouse of nutrition in one package. It has high quality protein that's easy to digest. Uh, so anything from, you know, refueling after physical activity um, to, like I said, having that quick on the go snack, get a little bit of protein to keep you full longer. If you're choosing not fat free dairy, so, you know, the low fat dairy, you're going to even have a little bit of that fat to also help with that satiety, help you feel fuller longer. Um, so, like I said, just kind of an easy fit when it comes to how you can make it work into your life. Um, now, that being said, I recognize there are challenges sometimes with dairy, and that's another piece of things that is accessible to a wide variety of individuals. And I think that that's an important part of uh, sustainability. And it's something that's going to be healthy for individuals. And so dairy really plays a strong role in that nutrition sustainability. Um, on the other side of things, though, what most consumers think about when they think about sustainability is the health of our planet, right? And like I said, farmers, they want to continue to pass their farm on for generation to generation. So they're really interested in taking care of that land, that air, that water that they have um, so that they can continue to do that. They understand the importance of that. Most farms uh, recycle their water at least three times on the farm. So, you know, they're, they're doing all of these things to make sure that they can continue to take care of the planet. On some farms, they have methane digesters where they can trap that methane gas and actually turn it into energy to power their farm and other homes. A whole lot of really cool stuff. The dairy community actually has a net zero initiative. So what that means is that by 2050, the year 2050, with carbon neutral or better, 
Our next guest is Ashley Danielson in episode 45, Bridging the Gap in Nutrition Education in the Grocery Store. Ashley explains simple ways to improve the diet, plus talks about gut health and how to treat common symptoms. Um, purchase better for you options. I don't always like to say healthy, better for you options um, that still aren't extremely expensive, you know, so that's where, you know, if you can't always afford um, some of the fresh food, frozen and canned is still okay for you. And here's what you need to look for when you're looking for canned vegetables, you know, so just little things like that. Um, when it comes to other types of customers, you know, if they have food allergies or intolerances, or maybe they're just trying to make a lifestyle change. And, you know, I get plenty of voicemails from people and you can tell on the voicemail, their tone is that they really don't know what they should be doing and that they need help. And they always hesitate in their voicemail, like, I'm just really looking for, some nutritional guidance. <laughs> you know, they just, they don't know, they don't know where to begin. And so that's where I really like to come into play, being able to connect that customer or that client with, hey, this is what it looks like to fill your plate with half, you know, half of your plate with fruits and vegetables. Here are some varieties that you can introduce. Um, here's what it looks like to you know, look at low sodium options. The biggest thing with gut health too um, is, of course, it's a lot of what we're eating, but a lot of it is our lifestyle too. And there's so much research that the gut is connected to the brain, you know, and vice versa. And so when we talk about, okay, I, you know, maybe I have IBS or SIBO or something like that, there's always an underlying factor and I think that can be hard with patients also is that they just because they're going through so much with their digestive system and they don't feel good, they want an answer um, that makes them feel better like tomorrow. And that's not, unfortunately, what the low FODMAP diet looks like. And I really try to dig a little bit deeper, of course, what they're eating in their, you know, exercise routine. But um, what's your stress level like? You know, like how much coffee are you drinking every day? Because stress, you know, if you're high stress all the time, it can be highly linked to a lot of GI issues. Our next guest is Chef Shannon in episode 47, Intuitive Cooking, Simplifying Plant-Forward Meals. Shannon talks about connecting with food again through simple cooking methods, plus how to be prepared for your meals during the week. She explains the difference between meal planning versus meal preparedness. And looking at food in a different way. Um, and so that's where like my kitchen therapy method really comes in is just having fun and being mindful and using your own intuition to plan for your health and, you know, do what feels right to you, not what other people and what other industries are trying to tell you is going to feel right for you. Um, but it's a lot of, you know, barriers we have to break down because it's been so persistent over all this time, all these diet messages that we're hearing. It, it, we're just like, are we supposed to do this? What do I trust anymore? And, and so my goal is to really help you trust yourself and get back to 
you know, that intuition and know that like what your gut is telling you, no pun intended, is the right thing to do, right? (laughs) Because everyone's just so unique in that way. No diet is going to be the same. No meal plan is going to be the same. And that goes for even a single individual. Every day is going to change for someone because how you sleep is different. Your stress levels are different. Your activity is different. Your day-to-day is different. And we need to be able to be flexible and adaptable to that change, but also trust ourselves to be that flexible and know that we're still nourishing ourselves the way that our body needs at that moment in time. You know, a meal plan, I like to redefine as being like meal preparedness. So a lot of us think like a meal plan is an exact calendar of every single meal we're going to eat with every ingredient and portion size for every single day. And while, yes, those do exist and certain populations can benefit from that, long-term, that is not a sustainable approach. And so I want others to think that meal planning is just simply being prepared for the week ahead. So look at your schedule, what's going on, how many meals do you need to eat at home, what meals are you eating out, how much time do you have to cook or put things together because that's going to play a huge role into what type of groceries do you need, are you going to be using a lot of whole foods or do you need some convenience items like frozen vegetables and microwave rice, like those are totally fine, those are not a quote bad food or processed that we have to avoid like thinking through all of that but then also being again flexible to any changes throughout the week because again that like calendar and strict looking meal plan that um, you know some might put into play it can actually cause guilt if we don't follow it to the T right and we, we don't want that we want to eat food without guilt or shame so just by having kind of a flexible meal plan we can say you know like this day was a lot busier than I I expected I didn't have that 30 minutes to prepare dinner but I did make this other choice because I stocked my you know refrigerator and pantry well the weekend before and I had things on hand so that would be your preparedness right Our next guest is Emily Burgi in episode 49, Build Curves Method, helping women gain confidence and lifelong health. Emily's focus is helping women gain and learn how to nourish their body, gain energy, and maintain consistency in their eating habits. But my, my main focus with it after that is, how do you want to feel? So when you gain weight, Yes, maybe you gain an aesthetic you wanted, but when you gain weight, you gain a lot of strength. Um, You're usually nurturing yourself a lot better than you were before. So your energy levels improve. Um, So what it really is, is basically a process of respecting your body and building that energy and strength for yourself. Um, So that's the main focus. But of course, you know, the initial draw I could say almost all my clients, you know, oh, I want to look a certain way. I want to look a certain way. And I think it's, it's understandable to come into it that way, you know, with this idea of I, I want my body to look like some, a certain thing. Um, but when you actually do start to gain and feel that, realize you actually have more energy, 
and you actually, you know, you're feeling better physically, like your stomach's feeling better, your digestion's better, you know, um, you're getting stronger. And if you've been working out in the gym, it's like all of a sudden those things start to take priority over the number on the scale or the way the pants fit or the way the dress looks. Um, you know, and sometimes those things come with it too, but the priorities start to shift, which is really cool to watch. Maybe you don't love it, but it's convenient. So I'm really big too with convenience foods. I'm a huge proponent of that. And actually that's something I've seen a lot of clients who have had this really high expectation on themselves that they should be cooking things from scratch, but they run out of time or it's hard for them to, to organize that in their life. And they end up just like not having dinner or having like snacks for dinner. So that used to be me too. I would be like, I should cook from scratch because I'm a dietitian. <laughs> uh, now I'm like, you know what? If it's convenient, I would do it. You know, always have like big fan of just always having frozen things on hand, frozen meals or pre-made meals. Anything to make it easier so that you make sure you at least get that meal in or that snack in pre-cut fruit. I'm all about it. Like I am never cutting a pineapple in my life. And I, I used to feel guilty about it. And now I've, I have embraced it. I will never ever cut a pineapple and it's okay. Right. Like I am always going to buy the pre-cut one. <laughs> yes. Our last guest is Haley Walker in episode 62 from picky eating to raising intuitive eaters. Haley helps parents take the steps to introduce new foods in a fun way and slowly incorporate better eating habits with less stress at the dinner table. Yeah, so I always remind parents that their kids are born intuitive eaters and more likely than not, they're going to get the nutrition that they need. So all of this worrying is usually for nothing. Um, but just to help them with that, I do provide some education on you know how much protein is actually necessary. That's one thing I hear a lot from my clients is that they're like, I don't, my kid doesn't eat any protein sources. Like I don't think they're getting enough protein. And I'm like, well, they really only need, you know, so much for their age. And it's, it isn't that much, you know, it's like 13 grams when they're little. And, you know, so we talk about what that looks like throughout a day and they're like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, they might be getting all the protein they need from just eating bread and beans and their fruits and vegetables, you know, it adds up over time. Yeah, so to be a true picky eater, it is not a phase. Um, every kid goes through that. What And sometimes parents freak out a little bit um, when kids pass that like one and a half, between one and a half and like two and a half to three years, different for every child. But around then, their nutritional needs drop a lot. Um, you experience this huge period of growth um, when the children are younger and they're transitioning from that baby to toddler age. And then it kind of drops off and they don't have this bigger period of growth. So sometimes their eating drops a little bit and this concerns a lot of parents, but it isn't something to be concerned about unless your child has a very limited, um, I like to say if they're cutting out food groups, if they have a really small list of foods that you can always count on them eating, we call them safe foods, something that if you serve it, most of the time your child will accept that food. Um, get your kids in the kitchen with you, um, preparing the food, you know, doing the grocery shopping and like looking at what that food looks like in its natural form. Even if it's something that you're buying like frozen, 
let's look at it, take it out of the package, see what it looks like, maybe watch it thaw out. It kind of takes a little bit of that um, guesswork or the mystery out of what that food is. Um, And it can even go as far as maybe watching a video on how edamame is made or grown before trying to serve it to them because it can be a little bit scary, you know, you think maybe they're being a little bit dramatic, but for them, they've never seen that food before. I always like to point out to parents, you know, what if I served you a plate of cricket? <laughs> Most of you would not be so excited to take a bite of that, you know, and you probably don't want to be told that you're being dramatic or like, no, just take one bite of the crickets. It's- well, that wraps up our episode with a total of about 20 registered dietitians for a year. I love hearing from them as they all have their own niche, their own message, and their own mission to make nutrition easy and sustainable. I think there's a part of all dietitians that really want to help people. They enjoy teaching people how to make it work for them in their lifestyle. Um, They also just love clearing out the BS from all the diet culture and all the information we hear. My goal is that these will help you, inspire you, um, just kind of solidify maybe those thoughts and ideas that you were thinking within your own health. So thank you so much for joining me on the Daily Dietitian Podcast.